do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's Wake Up With KC, and I have a very special guest uh, that has studied martial arts, that is a veteran, and loves languages. And he has a very inspiring and motivational story about his life experience and his journey and his transformation. So please welcome Richard Rico. I like to say Rico. It just <laughs> this resonates with me. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Did you know also that Rico means delicious? You know what? That just tickles my tongue. It does. That's that's the point of it. it comes from Latin. Ooh, <laughs> I thought it was Spanish. It's actually it Latin. is. It's actually Spanish, but it comes from Rico. Like Rico Ooh. means like when you taste something good. It's like esto sabe rico. This tastes good. Tastes delicious. Oh, say that again. Rico, esto sabe rico. That right oh. there. <laughs> that does sound delicious. It's like my mouth is watering just hearing you say that. I appreciate that. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good now that you're here. And <laughs> you, you're a veteran. Yeah, U.S. You, Army you 31 Bravo. Puerto Rico. Yep. Born, raised, and we educated. And you you study martial arts and you fell yes. in love with languages. Yeah. So I'm a purple belt in you... Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so how did this journey of yours start? Share with the audience. <clears throat> um most of it uh most of it just kind of just happened, you know. Most of it is is a combination of, of factors that I just kind of like fell into, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, where's my manners? Thanks for having me. And I apologize for being a few minutes late. That's on, that's on me. But uh, thanks for having me being patient. Um, I, I came originally, I was born, raised, and educated in Puerto Rico, like the island, right? So I was born in a place called Aguadilla, which has very mouthwatering but it's just a city in Puerto Rico. And what ended up happening is growing up, um, I was a very nerdy kid. Like not a lot of people, um, not a lot of people mess with you in Puerto Rico. You know, people kind of keep to themselves. Um, but people just really never had a sort of like respect for me in the sense of like, uh, people always wanted something. You know, there was always a give and take and there was never something very uh, like selfless. Right. So languages was like one of the first things that I did, because at the age of five, my dad was always insistent that I, I sp spoke English. Right. Because my first language is actually Spanish. Most people don't know that. They, they just hear me talking. They're like, oh, that's such good. I'm like, no, nah, trust me, it's there. And my dad was always very adamant about learning English because language is an effective way of communicating. And that was like his thing. Like to this day, I carry <clears throat> a little black book 
where I write a word, you know, that I see, and I normally write it 10 times in English and in Spanish, and then I write the definition. It's just that way I keep myself fresh. When I first started doing it when I was a kid, it was like about 100 to 200 words a day. Now it's wow. about 10 to 30 a day I write down, you know, because there's always there's always something you learn. So then when I went into high school, uh, I went to what's called a commercial high school is, is the translation, but it's a, actually a vocational or tech school, right? Where you leave and you, you leave with a certification, right? Some people left with associates, but I had to, I was playing too much Pokemon, you know? And what ended up happening was during my time there, I joined the FBLA future business leaders of America. And I competed in improvised oratory and I just became a chirp every time we were on the trips. And I got trained by a teacher named Miss Torres, who realized that I knew more English than I let on because I would fail the English test. In Puerto Rico, you used to have to take an English test to put you on a scale of like if you had to take conversational English or basic English. So I would always fail the test on purpose just so I could take basic English because I didn't have to do homework. Like I knew how to do it. I know how to, I know how to, you know, explain a past tense verb. I know how to explain the future tense. I know how to change it, you know? So did that for a while. And that's where like my beginnings came as a, as an interpreter, you know? Uh, I also used to uh, charge my buddies money to do like their homework. Uh, most people, yeah. Most people don't know about that. We actually had a, a lot of people that graduated because of me, because you had to know English back in the day. Like you had to be able to write and everything. <clears throat> so a lot of people never like they never really told anybody, but they were paying me on the side to to help them do their homework. An entrepreneur already. Oh, yeah, dude. I used to I used to hustle Pokemon cards. I used to go to tournaments and if we'd win, we would you'd get. So in Pokemon, most people don't realize is when you win a tournament like a league tournament, right? You get a pack of booster cards. Sometimes you would make money depending on what it was and you would get like a badge. So what we would do is we'd open all the packs, and if we had something already, we'd just sell it. So we'd leave tournaments with like a couple hundred bucks sometimes, and like no one ever bat an eye. It was just it was just a way to have money in my pocket. And then uh, you know, turned 18, 19, and uh <laughs> you know, you change a little bit. The world isn't as easy as you think it is. Uh I was homeless for a little bit, you know, and that really helped a lot. Uh really like open your mind to like how how things can be a little bit difficult and how things can be also very easy in life because when you're homeless you only have two problems you got to worry about eating and you got to worry about where you're going to sleep right when you're not homeless you got to worry about the bills you got to worry about taxes you got to worry about the kids you got to worry about this you got to worry about that so i look back at that time like as a lesson and i try to like live life like that pretty simple right and then uh, I joined the army <laughs> in 2008 and I left for basic training January 8 of 2008. Uh, and I landed in spring, you know, Missouri, which I'd never seen the cold or let me phrase that. I've never seen snow or experienced the cold. And <laughs> that was an eye opener. Yeah. Cause the, my recruiter never lied to me. But there was only one thing he said to me that wasn't very truthful. He's like, no, nah, you'll be all right. Go in shorts and a jeans, shorts or jeans and a T-shirt. You'll be fine. That was not true. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was that was a, a very, very big omission of uh, information on his part. But, you know, I survived. 
survived basic, did AIT, uh, advanced training as a military policeman. And then a month after graduating, I was in Iraq. Uh, did some fun, fun stuff there, you know, and uh, came back in after 15 months, September 4 of 2009. And uh, then started working as a patrolman. And like during that time, like you learn a lot, you know, you see a lot of things and how people treat each other. Left the army after a while. I went to Korea. I went to a couple other places, went on vacation to Japan and whatnot. And uh, that's when like the hard times really came. Because when you get out of the army, what people don't tell you is that nobody really cares. You know, like people, people care for like maybe four weeks out of the year. But the rest of the time, it's like, hey, you're back to society. You have to like figure it out. And that was really rough. That was really rough because it wasn't until like a couple years ago that I really like realized things, you know, and like figured things out that work for me, you know, for my life. And, you know, here we are now. I, you know, I've been training Brazilian jiu-jitsu for eight years. I'm a purple belt under Coyotera and Brian Stubner. Um, if you know martial arts, you'll know Coyotera. He's, he's a big guy. He's a very kind guy too. Very nice guy. Can be an asshole sometimes, but he, he means well. He's just his, his, his character, you know. And I'm also an interpreter. Um, I'm a Spanish. I'm a certified Spanish interpreter. And, you know, through there, I've accrued a little bit of fame as the language ninja for working cases uh, with, you know, very sensitive cases like human trafficking, child pornography, um, you know, drugs, gang cases, wiretaps and stuff like that. <clears throat> and recently in June, we decided to after much thinking, we did a we started a podcast called the Rico podcast that got picked up on iHeartRadio. And uh, it's doing pretty good. It's doing pretty good. It's long format interviews. And, you know, here we are now on a podcast with you. Oh, wow. So let me ask you something. You yeah. know, since you've traveled, coming mm -hmm. from an island, going to Missouri, then you went to Iraq, then you went to Japan and all that. And seeing what it's like in other countries, mm -hmm. was there an eye opener? Like, wow, I didn't even know that this even like existed or i heard but then when you went there it was like a self-realization like oh my god there's more to this than what i've been told you would have to give me an example because the the thing about me is i live my life day by day minute by minute like i plan things right mm -hmm. but I, I just absorb things i don't ever really like i read the news but i don't listen to the news you know what I'm saying? I'm that type of person where it's like you would have to give me a specific example. I'll do you one better. When I came to the States, it was culture shock. Like hard, like fucking hard because, in, you know, here in the States, I'll give you a prime example. Best example here in the States, you guys deal with like bullies and stuff, right? Well, we don't have that in Puerto Rico very much. Like we don't like we really like growing up. I never had like a bully. The way that things worked was if if you and me, if you and I are friends, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say uh, I'll use Steve as an example as we were just talking, you know, shout out to Steve, you know. And let's say I tell you, hey, um, I don't mess with Steve. And you go, well, you know what, Richard, if you don't mess with Steve, because you're my friend, I trust your intuition. I trust what you see. I'm not going to mess with Steve. I'm not going to talk ill about Steve. But it's just I don't, I don't talk to Steve. I don't deal with Steve. And it was like a way of just ignoring people. And that's, that's how things were. 
So like here in the States, everybody like started giving each other like crap and like talking, talking very ill. And I'm like, dude, what, what, what is this? Like, ah, what, what is this? This is weird. Like I was always brought up, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, then shut the fuck up. You know, you, you don't have to say, you don't have to say anything because what you put out there is what, you know, becomes. Um, and I kind of lost that, you know, being immersed in American culture, I kind of lost myself into that. And, you know, I came back to it, thank God. But traveling a lot, like you see different cultures and like different ways that they live. And, you know, and there's there's different laws too. you know, there's different social standards, which is what I like to tell people, like the social standards are very different. You know, like in Korea, for example, uh, teenagers and stuff like that, when you hear them on the subway, they're they're talking about going to college. They're talking about. Oh man, I'm trying to get this job and I'm trying to land this university in the States and my English going to get better. And like in the United States, to, to my understanding, that's not the case. So it's, it's a very cultural shock thing. Uh, in Japan, one thing that impressed me about Japan was, uh, they, they don't, uh, they, they normally don't talk, don't walk and eat or drink at the same time because to them that promotes, uh, someone explained this to me. And if I'm wrong by any means, someone tell me. What was explained to me was because when I went to Japan on vacation, I went from Korea to Japan. And uh, when I landed in Tokyo in TYC, I think it was called, uh, I, I went and got like a drink because Japan has all sorts of drinks. And since none of it has high fructose corn syrup because it's it's banned in the country, I can drink whatever because I actually have an allergy to high fructose corn syrup. And when I was in Japan, like it was like super nice and everything. And like the people are, you know, very kind. And I'm sure there's, you know turmoils and tribulations that people go through but when i went there i had someone approach me like excuse me like just in english like excuse me are you an american i go yeah what's up man he goes hey you, you shouldn't drink and walk and i go why is that he goes well because it promotes like throwing it on the floor and and we don't want that and their streets were pretty clean where i was at so it's like i looked and like everybody who had a drink they kept it in or they put it in their little purse and then when they stop at a light they take a sip and put it back in and I was like, oh, what a neat little thing. Uh, I think gum is also banned in Japan. I'm not 100% sure. Or it was in another country. Yeah, gum. Because it's, wow. people finish it and they just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no there's no point in gum to me. You know, I stopped chewing gum when I lived in Korea. Because everybody was like, all my katusas, my Korean augmentee soldiers of the United States. They were like, that's weird. But again, you know, that was my experience. So, like, I took that, you know, from there. And uh, I took a lot of like different little things from from everywhere I went. You know, uh, Iraq was the only place I didn't bring back anything, you know. Well, what but, was uh, it like in Iraq for you? I love this question because no one no one's ever brave enough to ask it. Um, in what sense? You mean running missions? You mean the culture or, or like both? both? The culture is very different. They don't, they don't, they aren't very patriotic. They're not. It's just, you know, what, what we did in Iraq was called PTT, police transitioning team, which you train the Iraqi police and the Iraqi army to be cops and to be soldiers. And a lot of times we never had 100% accountability. <laughs> you know, people just wouldn't show up. Yeah, that was the thing in 2008, 2009. Uh, when we ran missions, we wouldn't tell them information. We'd just take them with us to pull security because we didn't trust them. Um, and it was really nerve-wracking. 
I always tell people, like, if you want to imagine what's it like running missions in Iraq, uh, the best way that I can describe it is imagine the street that you drive through every day, right? You go down the same street, you turn on the same, you go to the same place, you see the same things every day because it's your routine, right? Now imagine that at any point in time, unbeknownst to you and without your control because you can't control how people feel, uh, someone's going to shoot at you or put a bomb in the middle of the street, unbeknownst to you. You know, just because you wear a different uniform or you have a different color of skin. So that's what running missions in Iraq was like. And the culture wise, a lot of people were happy to see us. A lot of people were happy to see us. A lot of Mahalas. We we helped liberate a lot of Mahalas. A lot of villages is what they call them. Oh, they're called Mahalas. And, you know, it was, it felt good at the time. You know, I thank God we never, we never got in a situation where, you know, we had to, uh, shoot somebody or get shot or get blown up. We were pretty smart about it. I had guy. I had a guy that had been to, uh, to war seven times with me. Uh, my team leader alone, he'd been, this was his third time. And I think there was another guy that it was like his fifth time going to war. So, you know, they were not out looking for uh, to get a shiny medal or anything. They were just out to go back home, you know. But that that's the best way that I could uh, describe when I was in Iraq for me, you know. It was very nerve-wracking. So you age a lot for 15 months. Yeah. <laughs> I was a driver. so And just the stress <clears throat> in itself. And, you know, a lot of, you know, who I know are, are veterans and what they experience in the wars and whatnot is that PTSD. Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. of the trauma, what they saw, you know, it, it goes in the, the subconscious that it's a memory. It becomes a memory and <clears> like emotion and energy attached to that. It can be a lot of things. PTSD can can come from a lot of things. Yeah. I think what the problem people have nowadays is people, some people care. Some people genuinely care. Some people genuinely care and they want to talk to you and they want to, you know, they want to learn kind of like you do. Other people don't. And what I always tell veterans is, you know, when you talk about PTSD, you know, I got diagnosed with it in, I think, 2011, I think. I got diagnosed with it because I, I wouldn't sleep. I, I had sleep issues. <clears throat> and I always thought it was just, you know, I'm, I'm a very hyperactive person. I like to move around. I was like, eh, maybe that's just what it is. Uh, and then we, they did some studies and they found whatever science medical thingy that something's not firing right you know and i'm i'm under treatment and whatnot but i think the, the problem that people have with ptsd is understanding that it doesn't mean that i'm like looking for things or anything it just means that i live my life a little bit different from people right like i'll give you an example you notice that i'm behind a wall right mm -hmm. i know that to my left there's a door in a hallway and i know to my right there's a door in a hallway and my kiddo's there so, like, you're a little more aware of when you go into places, you know, if someone comes to the house unannounced, that's normally not, I don't welcome that very well. So, I always tell people, if you come to my house, you call me or you text me. Um, it also means that you have to, like, really understand that there's going to be days that you're just going to have to push the fuck through. Because a lot of times you're going to wake up and something that to someone else might mean nothing to you it means the world another thing i noticed with a lot of veterans because i uh i'm part of a group called we defy foundation 
that uh, it's basically they help veterans through Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And one of the things we do is that we give each other, you know, our phone numbers in case anybody's ever struggling. I remember on my on my honeymoon, uh, I got a call from a buddy. And he was like, man, I'm just going to end it. Like, I can't do this anymore. And uh, this was the moment that I told my wife, like, this could happen. And, like, I told my wife, you know, we're at our honeymoon. I was like, hey, I'll be right back. And that's part of it. It's just understanding that sometimes you're going to have a day where, like, nothing really makes fucking sense. And you have to just, you know, really have a routine and have a good circle around you. Because the thing with PTSD is that it, it it's, <laughs> you know, I, I like to call it the, the silent killer. Because a lot of people don't want to realize that they have an issue. And post-traumatic stress can come from anything. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen... I've seen rape victims. I've seen trafficking victims that they have problems sleeping. Uh, they have problems trusting doctors. That's a big one that most people don't realize. Uh, when a lot of these trafficking victims come to the States, the, the, getting them to get health care is a bitch. It's, it's, it's just a problem because they don't trust the doctors. You know, I should tell you a lot about w- what they've been through if they're not willing to trust doctors, you know. And, you know, right now in our country, we're going through some stuff where we've we've had some issues and whatnot, but. I always think that you can learn from everybody a little bit, right? And I remember when I was working trafficking cases, the number one thing that I remember was when these people trusted you, you know, they trusted you. And that's a very sacred thing. And I think that's like the biggest thing in the veteran community that at least in in my experience that has helped me is the trust that I have for people and how important it is. Like if someone tells me like, hey, don't tell this to anybody, dude, I'm taking that to my grave. You know, I'm not telling my wife. There's a lot of stuff that I know about people that I'll take to my grave because to me, it's 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 an honor when someone entrusts you with something. And again, as long as that's not endangering someone's life or endangering their own life, right, because we have exigent circumstances, then I'll, I'll keep it. But the problem with PTSD is that a lot of people look at it as you're broken and they will absolutely utilize you, utilize it against you in court. Uh, I mean, shit, that happened to me. (laughs) You know, I had a custody case where uh, they tried to bring up my PTSD and there wasn't even a clinical psychologist involved or anything. It was just an attorney trying to trying to use it against me, you know. So that's why you have to be very careful. But for me. You know, it's pretty empowering because I don't give a fuck. I know I have issues. I know I know what my issues are. I know what triggers my issues. I know what doesn't trigger my issues. I know when I wake up in the morning, there's going to be times that I'm going to need an hour to myself. There's going to be times I'm going to need five minutes to myself. There's going to be times that I don't want to do anything. But I still have to have that discipline to do it, you know. And I got to have that circle with me that tells me, you know, keeps me accountable, you know. Mm-hmm. And... That's the thing with PTSD that most people don't get is that they think it's just the dude in in movies and stuff like that. That's like all crazy and stuff. And, you know, you get you get things like that. But let me tell you, if you got somebody that's to that point, that person's been asking for help or at least in his own way, in his or her own way, they've asked for help in a certain way. People sometimes weren't weren't educated enough or smart enough to realize it. That's why I live by. Well, yeah, because there's different signs for anything. 
You know what I'm saying? I could sit here and tell you, like, like me, for example, I know for a fact, like today, you know, I had a buddy that uh, Lee Barry, he uh, he was on my podcast and he's a very good friend of mine. He uh, we hadn't heard about him for a few days and we started getting worried. And me and Lee, like Lee's 60 something, you know, and I'm 34. Me and him are like that. Like that dude's come to my house and, you know, done parties for free. He's a bartender. And uh, come to find out he had a stroke. And uh, that like fucked me up because he called me. And you know how when you know how someone's had a fresh stroke there, there's a side of their face that they can't move very well. So that's how he sounded. And it just broke my heart because it scared me because we've lost a few guys that are close friends of mine because all my friends are older than me. All my friends. I don't have any friend. I mean, my wife is 38, 39. I'm 34. My best friend, he's 39. Uh, my co-host, Eric, he's 50. So like everybody, I don't have any friends that are younger than me. Like I really don't. So it's like, you know, the people that I hang out with, you know, they're going to leave me first. You know, they're going to go back and I'm going to stay here. So, you know, sometimes loneliness can can trigger PTSD too. You know, that's a thing that you got to watch out for. But in general, man, like if you notice every email that I send or every interaction that I have with people, the first thing I ask is, how are you doing? And if I know someone's bullshitting me, I keep pushing the issue. Because I'm pretty good at smelling when someone's bullshitting me, when someone's not really okay. That's mm -hmm. why I tell people. Yeah, that's why I tell people when they come on the podcast. I go, listen, be aware that it's unedited. <laughs> like, if you say something, I'll, I'll give an example. Tommy Chong was saying, you know, how fucked up the DEA was <laughs> 10 minutes into the interview. Yeah, see that face? Like, I didn't think anything of it. Apparently, iHeart was like... Uh, you know, we got to check this, but you know, iHeart, uh, shout out to iHeart Radio, man. They, you know, talking about loyalty, like those guys, when I went to talk to them, we did a commercial and she looked at me and she said, What are you trying to do? I said, In 10 to 15 years, I'd like to be the, the flagship podcast for iHeart. And uh, she goes, Okay. And dude, ever since then, I've had people like, No, you need to, you need to promote on multiple platforms. And we are on multiple platforms, but I want, I want iHeart to be my home base. You know, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That makes sense. I think. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that makes, hopefully that answers your question about PTSD and, and I'm open to talk about it too. Like I always tell people, like I can tell you what my experience is, you know, I can't well, talk. I'm glad you mentioned this. Cause I know there's, P you know, we all <clears throat> suffer from PTSD. Yeah. So how we choose to deal with it how we choose to respond instead of react. Mm -hmm. And I've had um, a coach, Rihanna Milne, who actually studies the ch childhood trauma. Mm. And she lists 10, cat 10 categories of a form of t PTSD. It could be, you know, abuse. It could be um, community. You know, when you go through hurricanes or earthquakes or oh yeah you know. i lived through hurricane george i don't know if i told you that yeah i don't know if i ever said that that's traumatizing yeah. anything oh yeah it was i think can create yeah. ptsd i also did uh <laughs> this is funny i also did search and rescue at a joplin tornado that happened years ago made the news worldwide i was one of the search and rescue guys there oh wow mm -hmm. even oh, at yeah. heaven oh yeah that was that was that, my that birthday. Was, so, yeah, yeah, that was that was a. Uh, you know, man, it it's funny. The thing that pisses me off the most 
it isn't wasn't even war. It wasn't even war because I knew what was going to happen. You know, I volunteered to go to war. I, I graduated basic and like a week later, I got orders to go to Iraq. A month and a half, a month, month and a half, some change. Because you got to go to Kuwait first, right? It's a 20, it's a really long fucking flight. <laughs> and you are not in the com most comfortable shit. You have your gun and everything, you know? And um, I remember like, it was like, okay, like this is what we're going to do. But it was the shit that people do to each other here, like back back here. You know, there's there's no difference. Like to me, sometimes the what what people well human beings do to each other never never ceases to like amaze me, and the reasons that they do it. And that's why I always try to like, I try to like as of recently just live my life as like nothing really surprises me, and and. The other day, like I, I finally like you ever you ever understand something about yourself, but you can't like explain it in words, and you're like son of a gun, like. And oh yeah, the other, every day. Yeah, yeah. So the other day, I was trying to explain to somebody because like I had someone lie to me recently about something, and I just treated them the same. And my wife and my friends were like, "How can you put up with that? How do you let people talk to you like that?" And I was like, "Listen, man, I I, I know who I'm dealing with before I'm dealing with them." You know, and and I know it because I talk to people and you can you can normally tell like a lot by how a person interacts. And the one thing that I tell people is, you know, if a snake bites you, are you surprised? Probably not. Right. Because that's the nature of the snake. It, it's going to bite you. So it's like, ah, you bit me. Shit. Ah. So a liar is a liar. Why should you be surprised when the liar doesn't lie? Why should you be surprised when the thief steals from you? You know that the thief is going to steal from you. That should not surprise you. I think the problem we have is we create expectations of things. And to me, like, I'm not, in, I'm not, you know, uh, I, I'm not, you know, attached to, like, really anything. I'm attached to a few things in this world. To my wife and my kids and my kid, you know, uh, and to the people who, who help me. Those are things that I'm attached to, you know, but everything else, it's, it's irrelevant for me to hold on to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's how I live life. And it makes things simple, man. Cause if you remember what I told you earlier, it's like, you got to really know yourself and like what makes you like tick, you know, like I showed you earlier, like my gi is already there and my belt is already there, ready to go. But the thing is, is like, I know myself well enough to know how to prepare and how to do things. And to me, like I'm an over warrior. Everybody, everybody has a thing with their, with their trauma and their issues. Like, I like I like to be prepared for everything. You know, I like to have money in the bank. I like to have money in this. I like to, uh, you know, being on the know of things because I'm also a very curious person. I get bored very easily. You know, and and I think that you asked me something earlier about you said something about martial arts that I practice them. And I don't, I don't think I practice them. I think I just live it, you know, because it's everything in life. It, it feels like it's like a thing you can live or it's a thing you can be. And to me, like when, when I got promoted in jujitsu to purple belt, like I came to realize like, Oh, okay. Like I, I can really do this. I can fight even though I still can't fight. Like, like <laughs> you think you can fight and then you, you get to this belt. And for me, it was like, Oh, I really know nothing. 
But then me realizing that I don't know anything, I've seen how other people act tough. And I'm like, oh, you really know nothing. And it's a false sense of confidence. And a lot of people have that. And that's why I just don't, I don't bother with a lot of people. Because well, some people, some people think they're lions when in reality they're bunnies. <laughs> well, the, and, you know, part of martial art from history, it, there's a thing called Qi Kong. And it's the way the movement and how you get mm. your energy. Yeah, like your energy. In. Getting to, uh, isn't that part of how martial arts is? It's also about disciplining, not acting out of anger, but it's just movements. In general, yeah. The problem is, is that that's a philosophy. And the thing is, most martial arts, you can't really go 100% and, and, and practice everything because if I punch you at a hundred percent of my force, right, you're going to get knocked out. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you in jujitsu, I can go a hundred percent and I don't have to hurt you. If I really wanted to hurt you, I could. The thing is I don't have to. So jujitsu is like one of the very few martial arts where you can practice that. And I tell my wife all the time, like my wife, sometimes like she'll mess with me, like do things. And I'm just like, even in you know, moving around and she can't like touch me. I'm like, go ahead and try to grab me. And she's like, I can't. And I'm like, there's a reason for that. And, and, you know, again, she doesn't know anything. So I'm just messing with her. But if you saw the people that I train with at the gym and you see how I get manhandled, you probably come to a realization that, oh yeah, see your face is like, you really like, <laughs> yes, I can introduce you to a 130 pound old man that is my age that could probably make me look like a child. And I have seen him grab a 300 pound man, the same belt as him and him make him look like a child. That's scary to me that there's someone out there, and I've trained with this person and I felt like a child. And, and it's very disheartening to, to learn that there's someone out there that if they really, you know, if God forbid, uh, I, I love Kyle, man. And that's why I always stay with the association. Um, thank God he has a good heart. Cause dude, there's people that I see that the best people that I know are like the most dangerous people in the world too. It's what's funny to me. Like, like, you know, Kyle Terra, like he's a guy that he's so calm and Kyle will like roast you. Like Kyle will just like, I, I walked up to him one day. I said, professor. I said, you know, thank you for everything professor. And he looks at me, he goes, Rick, the good news is from here on out, your Portuguese can only get better. It cannot get worse, my friend. <laughs> and I just like, like I, you 130, but, but see, that's your ego talking, right? You get upset, mm -hmm. but that's like the most compliment that you'll get out of him, you know? I remember the Karate Kid with Ralph Macheo. And oh, what's his yeah. name? Right. Yeah, 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 Ralph and stuff like that. Wax on? Wax off. Wax off. And that and you know what's funny, man, is like sometimes people gotta understand too, like people are a little bit scared of chaos sometimes. And you gotta understand, man, like, you know, I'm I'm heavily obese right now, even though it doesn't look like it. And like I've been working out and like you have to have something in your life where you can put that energy into. Because what happens is if you don't, like, you know how it is, man. You keep pouring water, right? If I keep if I keep pouring water into this, the Purell, like, because we're on the podcast table, by the way. Like, we have Purell. 
we, we have no a shout out to Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's funny. In in basic training, when I went, uh, you're issued five bottles of Purell that are specifically made to fit in like your uh we used to put them on a right, yeah, right uh pant uh pocket. And dude, I, I, that's why my hands are like crap. Like my hands are so dry all the time, but I always wash my hands and stuff. And I refuse to use lotion because to me, I have to have manly hands, you know, like whatever that means, that's my ego talking, (laughs) but there's like certain things that I'll allow that I'm like, you know what? And, And honestly, it's more like, I don't like my hands when they look like that. They just, I don't know. I feel like they look, they look fragile, you know, and I could be wrong. But I like when well, my hands not, are rough. Why not try coconut oil then? Um, I have, but then like I keep I keep going like this to like because I love this. <laughs> it's like a weird thing to say, but I swear to you, I'm not kidding. It's like I'll put coconut. I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like, <laughs> nothing, guys. What's up? And I'll start. I'll start touching my beard. Right. I'll start going like this. No, I'm. I swear to you. I swear to you. I can't control. It. I'm just. I try to control, and I go. Oh, it smells good. Like coconut oil smells amazing. Oh, cocoa too. butter too. You gotta try the sheer moisture. You should, yeah, sheer moisture. Shout out up to sheer moisture. Hey, it's you never know. Coconut and hibiscus. Really? That's interesting. Oh, that oil. You could use it as massage oil, body oil. I use it for massaging and for my skin. And oh my god, when I put it on, the smell. I'm like, wow. And yeah, like, wow, right. you smell good. I'm like, oh, it's my oil. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my thing with coconut oil, but it, it also doesn't work as well for me. It just it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And the problem is, you know, I've been working construction since I was like, you know, I used to work construction, and then I did a little bit of stuff here and there. And like you, you know, you don't clean your hands in very well, and now you have like that that stuff on it. So, but you know, man, it's all about uh, you. You gotta like. I always tell people like when people ask me, it's like you talk about this and you talk about that. I'm like, but but you do this and you do that. I'm like, well, here's the thing is I, I know what I'm willing to sacrifice and I'm okay with it because in life you got to make a sacrifice. Like, you know, you, if I want eggs, I got to take some eggs from a chicken and I got to break the egg and I got to cook it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same in life. Like I understand that, you know, training the way that I train and doing the stuff that I do, like my body's going to take a toll for it. But, you know, I learned how to move more efficiently. This is the thing. And the older you get, I think. I think the older a person gets, I think that's what like I, I've always like identified with all my friends being older. Like I was telling you earlier, it's because I, I like to move efficiently. I'm not trying to be the fastest. I don't care about being the strongest. I care about being somewhere in between and, mm-hmm. and figuring out how to get there, because I've always felt like if you're the smartest person in the room, like you just you would just hate yourself or you would just hate being there in general. You know, I, I've always felt like that. And I'll tell you what, ever since I realized that I know nothing, I fit pretty well doing everything. It's like the weirdest thing to me. It's like the well, moment I learned, like, <laughs> I hold control of nothing. Well, <laughs> so. in, in some aspect, it's like when you think and believe, like, you know everything. I mean, come on. We were teenagers, you know, mm. and we sort of rebelled against our parents. It's like we knew more than them. But in reality... Mm. We didn't. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, not knowing anything and realizing 
as you get older, your beliefs change. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, you know, I, I thought that, or I did that. What was I thinking? It's just part of a process of experiencing life. And then you realize what really works and what doesn't work. I think for me, it was a little bit more different because I've always, I've always tried to like put myself in other people's shoes and other circumstances because my dad, ever since I was a kid, my dad had, my dad had many sayings, you know, one of the things that always struck me is he goes, a smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from other person's mistakes. And I was like, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Dad, shut your mouth. And <laughs> I, I actually said that. And I regret saying that because it's kind of like in business, you know, like business should be a long-term game, if not a lifelong game. And ever since I discovered when I do things that have no end, I stick with them, right? She so noticed I've done a lot of things, but a lot of them I haven't stuck with them. And it was honestly because I felt like I had attained the necessary I had learned the lessons I needed to learn and I was pretty good at like realizing, okay, like this is done. And as a kid, I remember, you know, being very young, like my mom wasn't around, you know, so it was my stepmom. And I remember as a kid, like being eight or nine, I remember going, you know, it takes a lot of balls for somebody that's not even related to me to care so much. I should probably care about this person. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So to me, it was never a matter of really understanding, oh, you know, this change and that change. It was more, I look at the world in a way of like, huh, that's curious. I wonder why that's happening. And then the way that I navigate is as long as I'm doing something that's not hurting anybody, that's not illegal, um, and th that's not illegal in any way, I'm going to go do it. But I also have to find something that I feel very happy doing and that I can do every day and that I'm willing to die on that sword for that. And I think like that's the difference between myself and like a lot of other people that they'll say they'll die on that sword, but they haven't probably been through enough things or thought of enough scenarios of, hey, are you willing to die on that sword, you know? And to me, it's like a, a clear example of that is like when I hear people say, I want to have kids. Well, what if that kid's a piece of shit? Are you going to love him? All right. What if the kid becomes into a murderer? Are you going to love him? What if, God forbid, you know, that kid ends up hating you for whatever reason because maybe they've been told something and analyzing, like, would you still love him? It's like if the answer is yes, then yeah, by all means, because. If the truth is the truth, the truth is going to come out, right? And to me, if I'm doing the right thing, because it's the right thing, no matter what anybody uh, tells me, because I know that it's the right thing. Because that's the other thing is sometimes, you know, someone may have some information about something that you don't know. And like a lot of times, you know, I've had that happen with friends where they, you know, made a statement or made a comment about something. I'm like, Why are you saying that? They're like, well, I know something. Okay, cool. You can't say it? No. 
But that something is something that would probably change a lot of people's minds. Well, yeah. Like, okay, cool. No problem. Clear example is like what, what happened with Afghanistan when it was taken over so fast. If you notice, there's not a lot of veteran friends posting things saying, oh, my God, we didn't know about this. What a lot of veterans are saying is like, yeah, we kind of told you. Because like I said in the beginning, like there's not a lot of patriotism. You know what I'm saying? So, again, it, it goes to the thing again. If you well, know that the liar's a liar. Go ahead. Since you brought that up, yeah. um, you know, because my partner is all into the history of war. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he explained something to me. He's like, well, of course that's going to happen. You know, the Taliban comes in and takes over Afghanistan. And the thing about it is, is our soldiers were there for almost, what, 20 years? 20, yeah. How that's much just, that's money just on ground. were uh, we paying in that 20-year period as tax, you know, tax-paying citizens? And then he said, he goes, because the Afghanistan, they're really not into fighting. No, they're not. I'm like, well, then why did we spend all this time there? Then how can I get mad? Over somebody that's really not interested in protecting their own community, city, their own little territory. Their own home. Their own home. But we get upset. People. And I was just like, are you kidding me? They're really, then why did we spend all this time over there? Why did we spend all this money? And then the Tabland has all our equipment that we paid for. All the, the that equipment, the 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 guns, the machinery, and all that we <clears throat> pay for that. But here's here's the other issue too. Is and I like to play devil's advocate on everything because again, remember what I said. Like it's a this for that. You know, it's kind of like alchemy. That's why I love alchemy. Like I'm very fascinated by alchemy, even though I don't read much about it. But the 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 underlying principle of alchemy and in science is. Uh, there has to be an equivalent exchange, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what's an equivalent exchange? You know, are you willing to like stab somebody for a cooler? You know, are you willing to do this? Okay, then you value human life at this level, right? The problem with pulling out of Afghanistan is that it's now a territory that pretty much won't know 100% what's going on. They might make some friends that you know, we probably shouldn't let them be friends with because that could turn into a problem. But my whole philosophy is like, well, you know, I'm not versed enough in politics to say, well, you know, this could be a problem. This may not be a problem. But I do know one thing. Afghanistan is one of the top 10 producers of opium. And uh, they also have a poppy seeds. Uh, they have very, very large fields of marijuana. Yeah, most people don't know that. Most people don't know that. So wow. you also have to understand that. And then on top of that, you also have to understand it's located in a geographical area that you can put a lot of stuff in it. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, we pulled out and there are repercussions to that. However, those repercussions reach us. I don't know. But I, here's I'm the not thing. burst enough. 
here's the thing that my partner also shared with me. He goes, watch. Do you remember what happened in um, Vietnam? Correct. Yeah. I, I know okay. where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. they're very prosperous. There's not, we haven't had any issues since well, then. And they changed their way of thinking of, hey, we can't be doing this because the U.S. is going to come and kick our ass. And, you know, we've we've already learned our lesson. What if the Taliban wants to be on the good gracious now and make it a money making little country, whatever? Because now you mentioned opium, poppy seeds and all this. They see mm -hmm. that, hey, this is a money making business opportunity. We can come in and eventually that's what it's like history repeating itself. It's so funny because I wrote a joke about this a while back. It's oh, really? so funny to me that you're having the exact same thought process that I had in a joke that I wrote a while back saying, hey, man, don't worry. One of two things are going to happen with the Taliban. They're either going to kill themselves and blow themselves up because they don't know how to handle our equipment. Oh, they're just going to get really high and become entrepreneurs. Like, we don't know. Either way, we're all going to win. And like I said that, I, see, a lot of people laughed. Some people looked at me like I was an asshole. But it's funny to me because that's a possibility. But the problem is, is and again, I'm not versed enough in, in history, is, you know, man, these people have been fighting for hundreds of years. And that's mm -hmm. that's all they know. And the problem is, is in order for you to break a cycle or to break something in history, something extreme has to happen. Yes. I'll give Cuba as an example, right? I don't know if you've been following what's been happening in Cuba. It's pretty crazy. The people are still, there's people still rioting that they don't want, you know, socialism and stuff like that. Or uh, they don't, let me, let me rephrase that. It's not even that they don't want socialism. Because then it turns into an argument of this and that. They're not happy with the lifestyle that they're living in their culture anymore. And enough people are complaining that they don't want to live like that. That the government doesn't want to enact change. So that happened, obviously, for various reasons. Number one, you know, um, they, they have internet now. You know, recently, in recent years, they've discovered internet and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes a very big change has to happen in order for a drastic change to happen, right? Because it has to be equivalent exchange. So I don't know, man. I'd like to say, I'd like to think that joke is funny that, you know, 20 years from now, there's not even going to be enough Taliban because they keep killing themselves with our equipment that they can't maintain. It just keeps blowing up. Or they just start smoking drugs and doing drugs and become entrepreneurs. Like, that seems to be the thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, really I just don't know. feel like, when he said that to me and then I realized, I'm like, Oh my God, you're right. You know, Vietnam is now historical, mm -hmm. you know, and I have a friend it, in Vietnam. It's very, you know, prosperous. They're prospering. They have resources that they, you know, yeah. fair trade and whatnot. So <clears throat> they're still learning. Know, I don't want opium and, you know, we're trying yeah. to, you know, against drugs. Uh, and there has been news about the opium, you know, epidemic with, you know, more suicides with younger generations and whatnot. So my thing is, okay, can, 
you figure out something else to be prosperous over in that country. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. You know, it doesn't have the to question, be negative because that to me, you're you're putting more harm out there. And this has been going on way too long. So why not think of something? What it, what can we do to create something that's a win win that helps? Mankind. I mean, let's put a, let's put a McDonald's, give them internet, and put a brothel. I mean, let's Vegas take take care of it. Maybe it'll change. I don't know. <laughs> a brothel. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was gonna say, hey, why not have a swingers club over there? Hey, there. You, see, you put a brothel, and that solves a lot of problems. Let people in Vegas run it. I'm just saying, put a McDonald's too. Anywhere, listen, anywhere. If you really look this up, anywhere that there's a McDonald's, we have a treaty with, or we get along with. You Maybe McDonald's what? is secretly financing it's war. The worst I don't know, man. Food ever. It's the most except expensive for the French fries. Except for the, <laughs> the French fries, I'll <laughs> eat. That, but that's it. I will not eat anything else. Just I had like fries. their grilled their grilled chicken and a lettuce one time. Like that's that's what I did one time, and I was like, eh, yeah, whatever. You know, probably probably gonna get cancer from this, but you know, whatever. I don't know. Like, I think I think there's a lot of things. Here's the thing. There's a lot of things that can be said, but the problem is that there has to be a spark and change, you know, and I don't know if it's coming. I just, well, I, don't, I don't know. I'm curious because I, you know, me, I'm a history geek and, you know, <laughs> the Far East and the Sumerian writings, cuneiform and, you know, on these tablets and whatnot. My question is <clears throat> in, in Afghanistan, you know, what, what history and artifacts are there that's yet to to be discovered? Oh, that's what a great museums question. Museums yeah. are do they have? Do they have any? Why don't they go on an extravagant um, or what? You know, archaeology, geology, whatever they those people do to oh, discover. Yeah. You know, look up the history and say, okay, well, in this time, you know, ninety five thousand years ago, yeah. Uh, you know, that would be something of interest to me. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't see that happening. I know that we recently discovered uh, that humans actually were here way longer than we thought. I know that we're discovering that the Amazon has a lot of spots that we're now uncovering with like lighter. I was just reading a book about it. And I know at least in Puerto Rico, we've uncovered different type of what we call seti which is like little artifacts that the Indians, the Tainos made. The Tainos was the indigenous tribe in Puerto Rico when it was called Boriqueng before the Spaniards took over. They were, they were great agriculturers. And there were pirates that went to Puerto Rico. Yes, there actually was pirates. Did you also know that there are such thing as samurai pirates? No. Yes, and ninjas are not real. I have a, I had a samurai historian tell me that on the podcast. Samurai pirates were a thing. The samurai became nautical and ended up going to South Korea and invading all the way up to Seoul. They killed thousands of people. They've never gotten over that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, see, the, that face right there that you made is the reason why I do a podcast. Because I want to see that face on everybody. <laughs> when he told me that, I literally like almost had a heart attack. I was like, what the fuck did you say to me? What do you mean ninjas aren't real? take those words back and then he's like no 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 listen historically da, 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 da. and then what's funny is this dude name's michael ward it's episode 21 
<laughs> I kid you not. That same week, I'm sitting with my cousin watching TV. And my cousin goes, is that Michael? I go, what? And I look up. He's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's on Netflix on the Bushido show for Netflix, explaining the exact same thing that he was telling us. And I did not know that. So I messaged him. I go, hey, were you on Netflix? Oh, yeah. I thought you knew. No. No. Oh. Don't ever assume that I know anything. <laughs> <laughs> assume is make you you make an ass, ass out of you, of and, me you and me both. Yep. That's what's up. And uh, so wait a minute. Then let me ask you this. Where did ninjas come up? You know, where did that? It was a, a family. Created? It was a family that had a scroll that they had said that it survived thousands of decades and stuff like that. That it was like ancient knowledge passed down and like they were trying to get like money from the, you know, the the, the head of whatever the government and stuff like that. And the government's like, yeah, whatever. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, we would have heard about this. Shut up. There's no history. There's no data. These pages look like they're not even like five days old. You know, like they, they there's a lot of data that indicates that. Okay. So uh, something just came back. Like a, I had a flashback memory of watching this movie and they were not, I want to say assassins. Mm -hmm. Assassins they, are real. Okay. <laughs> well, not that in not that way, but in. His oh, movie. Oh, okay. My bad. Okay. This went, a, we were totally not thinking about the same thing. I was like, Oh yeah, I've met. Oh, Oh yeah. You, but you they met, were dressed yeah, you up met. in black and they would climb walls and, they would accept like mission. Oh, Assassin military. Ninja. It's on Netflix. It's a, Assassin Ninja. Assassin, uh, Assassin Ninja or something like that. It's on Netflix. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that movie hundreds of times. I love it. The guy, the guy like sleeps on a bed with like spikes and he like lifts himself up. And the this chick on the, I think the IRS. No, not the IRS. Was it the IRS or the FBI? She discovers him. I know the movie you're talking about. Love but that movie. Is there some truth to back in the the days of where they created this like organization yeah samurais did a, yeah. A, a, a secret society yeah samurais samurais absolutely did if i recall correctly samurais did have what they called assassination squads which they would carry out they were contracted out to to carry out political assassinations i think well, i'm not, i'm not 100% but i'm 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 90% sure me and michael talked about this Cause I'm huge into samurais. Mm -hmm. Like samurais are like, the, it fascinates me. And one of the other things yeah, I heard. Reeves played a, a samurai. In a Ronin movie. 47. Correct. Yeah. The, so I'm like <laughs> connecting the dots here. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, hold up. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's always been, you know, even the cartel, they have Sicarios, you know, who carry out assassinations and stuff like that. There's always been a need for, you know, it goes again, like where there's light, there's darkness. You know, wherever there's light, it's going to cast shadow over something. So there's always been like th things like that don't surprise me. Like, like things like that really don't. I mean, I remember in Iraq, we we caught a kid one time at a checkpoint and, and everything, every, he didn't talk. He didn't say anything. The dog didn't even scare him. And I remember, I remember like a few weeks later, because, you know, when you're a private, you don't hear things at the moment. You hear something later. A few weeks later, Sergeant Charles was like, hey, you remember that kid we picked up? Cause I was, uh, I was the one, it was me and Sergeant Charles who picked him up. He was like standing at the wheel and like one of the, we didn't have the interpreting purple was like back there. And like one of the IAs, Iraqi army said, Hey, he's, we're looking for him. 
And he's like, Yala, which means get out. And as soon as you hear Yala, like gun comes up and uh, he had a bunch of passports. He had like books with type learning languages. He had uh, <laughs> he had different guns with silencers. And I was like, oh, OK. And he's like, yeah, that dude was that's what he did. And I was like, that's scary. that was like my first experience realizing that things like that could be real. Well, that's like born identity with Matt Damon. Hello. Oh, yeah. That don't surprise me. That's, that don't surprise makes me you, anymore. What, I question when I see movies like, like, that's a government thing. And yeah. don't I, it when it doesn't surprise me that, you know, you, and what's very upsetting to me is like when you become, you know, into that military, into that organization, you're doing it as a, I want to protect my country. I want to serve my country. But then your own will turn its back on you and assassinate your ass too. I don't know about the latter part because not to my knowledge, I don't know if that happening. I'm sure, you know, we could use recent examples, but I look at it. I look at it like from a fundamental point of view of like, th there's a lot of things that you could do for your country. And I look at it as like everybody has their own definition of serving. And by all means, I know that there's, you know, there's historical, there's been historical events where we've, you know, we've had to exchange prisoners for people. Like, you know, I think back during the Cold War, we had a, a guy who was spying on Russia and the fucking plane got hit. And, you know, we had to exchange. I think at the end of the day, I look at it as sometimes well-intended people use ill-intended methods. And the thing is, is that unfortunately, that's just the way life is. As long as we're 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 with each other, you know. That's why I try to be as open and as like direct. Like I don't, I don't, I don't care what people think anymore. Like if I'm doing something and someone doesn't think it's correct, I'll gladly explain. But at the end of the day, I'm not gonna hate you. I'm not gonna, you know. I'm just right. not gonna pay no mind. And you know, that's to me, that's a respect thing too, because everybody's a human being. Everybody has a different way of seeing things, mm -hmm. and. If we can't like respect that, then cool. You stay in your own group. That's why I told you before, you know, before we started the show, like a lot of people think I'm extroverted. I fucking hate going out. I got like four people that I mess with. That's it. Right. I don't go anywhere. I stay here. If I want to watch TV, I got a 75 inch TV. I watch TV there. I don't like going out. I don't, I don't like, no, I don't. I got a little couch right there. Not a lot of stuff that you saw, you know, I have my medication, my medication, my, my vitamins and stuff, you know, I take a ton of stuff that get blood work done, by the way. Don't know if you ever had blood work done to tell you, like, the deficiencies you have. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, it's life-changing. VA just started doing that. And it is, it's it's so good. Like, once you can figure out, like, what you're down on and what you need and calibrate it, it's, it's amazing. Wow. But that's the thing is, like, I just don't, I don't worry about these things, man. I worry about... Here's what I worry about. I worry about, you know, is my kid okay? What can I do to help my kid? I worry about how can I stay in shape and how can I, you know, be the best version that I can for, you know, my homies and for my wife and for my family. And I worry if my my people are doing good. That's it. Like my people. And then after that, then the rest is, you know, what can I do to impact or make the place where I live a better place, you know, because if you don't like where you live, if you're talking shit about the place where you live, 
man, you shouldn't be there. <laughs> well, not only that, but you're just adding more fuel to the fire or. Yeah. You're, you're not doing anything. Cursing, you're speaking something to existence. Yeah. Well, if you don't like yeah. what you're seeing, why don't yeah. you be the one to step up and change it? Yeah. And, the, and there's also a thing with that that has to be said that that doesn't mean that everywhere is perfect. You know what I'm saying? But we doesn't can mean, strive for. We can strive for perfection. That is correct. Now, my whole thing has always been is like, know what you're willing to put up with. And that's honestly, that's like the best advice I can tell anybody is like, know what you're willing to put up with and know what you're not willing to put up with and learn what you are willing to put up with, you know, because Sean Su, there's an old saying in the art of war out of the thousands that there are is like the man who knows himself wins every battle. So if you know yourself and nobody can, can fuck with you, like you, well, you've won everything. Sometimes the real battle is up in here. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why that's why he says that is because you got to like really know yourself. Because if you know yourself, that's the thing that like cracks me up with people is like if you can't if you show people that you just don't care, it, it hurts them so much more. All this thing about talking shit about each other and that you see people doing the news and like in the media, that's that's gonna phase that's out nonsense. real soon. It's just well, it's more gonna, negativity. Energy. It's more negativity, and what's gonna happen one day is that's gonna get escalated. A celebrity's gonna say something about another celebrity, and someone's gonna get stabbed, and then they're gonna be responsible for it. And oh, I'm telling you, it'll that fly. In the past, and I'm like, oh my god. But that's the thing. The past. I'm listening, and you know, wake. When are we gonna wake up to realize that? History keeps repeating itself because we're creating that energy to keep replaying itself. The moment, the moment down that people, to our future generations. Yeah. I think that'll happen the moment that people realize that it's it's a necessary thing to do. Because people, unfortunately, the majority of people do things out of necessity, out of last minute necessity, not because they care. So that's just my my two cents on that. <laughs> Well, the thing about it is, is that they're also living in a false identity of who they truly are because yeah. of a program, a limited belief and because of religion. Yeah, that's just you that's are why I said ego in this human being. You're a spiritual being, a sexual being inside this human being. Mm -hmm. So you are all together. God, the kingdom of heaven is in you. How are you expressing and experiencing heaven here on earth? That makes a lot of sense. That's pretty nice. The problem is, again, is like a lot of people just, they live with their ego. And don't get me wrong, you got to have a little bit of an ego. But you, know? you could choose to be either an ego god, because that's shown in history, or a host of god. The ego of god is controlling, dominating, uh, manipulating, greed, power. Mm, yeah. Okay, and the host of god is serving others. Showing compassion and love and nurturing. There's two aspects of ego and host. And we're all gods, but we're taught that we're not. God is an outside source. But no, God is everywhere in everything, including you, including me. I'm just a female form of God. I think the problem that a lot of people have is that a lot of people confuse sometimes like sometimes you got to cut people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to just cut people and they may see it as you being an asshole and they may see you as, you know, as a, as a, as a bad God or whatever, whatever they want to think. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that sometimes people don't see their own, 
you know, their own naiveness, you know, or ignorance or, error. or their own ignorance or their own error. And that's, hey, that's what's hard. That's what's hard sometimes. But I think it'll change, man. I think we're at a point in society where pretty soon there's going to be a big change. I oh, think it's, there will. it's already happening. Yeah. People start eating their own. Well, listen, this has been extremely fun. <laughs> yes. And I enjoyed it. And the one more thing is, yeah. you know, for the, for the veterans, I've had Michael Myers, who's also, he's from Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And I know from studies, being a coach um, about epigenetics, hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. that researchers and, and scientists have discovered on how to help veterans overcome that emotional energetic trauma through hypnotherapy and epigenetics. So I'm putting that out there to, you know, the veterans when I speak to a veteran, like, cause I really want the healing of that trauma for you guys. Mm. Cause I couldn't even imagine of what, you know, you guys have been through as soldiers and experiencing being trained to kill is not actually our in really in our nature, but to have to be trained to do that. I just, I, I commend all of you. And if this is a way to help you guys heal, so you can become the best version of yourself. So you could start living your best life now, instead of being a prisoner to that, by all means, I'm speaking it. And thank That's you good for info. being on no, the show. No, I appreciate that. That's good to know. I was I was thinking about that. I never heard of that. Heard of cognitive therapy and stuff. But, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this. I do. And seems like you got a really good show. You're a great listener. Very great listener. Very good. You ask very good questions that most people are a little shy to ask about or maybe a little intimidated. I've had a few podcasters tell me that it sounds intimidating to ask me certain questions. I'm like, no, don't say that, please. I'm, I'm very nice. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, I'm just inquisitive by nature. I'm curious by nature, just no. like you. So I'm not afraid to ask the question. <laughs> and I've heard professors and teachers, no question is stupid or silly. <clears throat> How mm -hmm. do you know unless you ask? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you doing this. And I know you're going to be on our show pretty soon. Yes, I can't wait. I'm pretty excited to have you. So thank you so much for having me. And uh, if, you know, if anybody ever needs anything, you know, you can find me on Facebook on Richard Avila's. Uh, I'm on TikTok as Richard Avila's 51. And if you want to hear some interesting stuff and enjoy listening to me running my mouth, you know, listen to our podcast, the Rico podcast. It's everywhere, you know, Spotify. But iHeart is where I'm trying to navigate to because they've been very good to us. Been more well, than more than I wish you the best of success, and this was such an honor and a pleasure. And I learned something new too, so I'm always excited to learn something new. I appreciate it. You have a good day, and thank you so much. And good luck in your class today. Well, there you go. Oh my gosh, I learned something new today with Rico, and you can check him out on iHeartRadio, Rico's podcast. and. You know, once again, you never know who I'm going to get on my show. So tune in to Wake Up With KC.
do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. 